fact, is a season where we want to exalt our Lord Jesus Christ. The season of Christmas should be important as long as we exalt Jesus in it. We can do many things. We can be busy in doing many things that can put Jesus aside. And as a church, we want to reflect in the things that we have to be thinking about during this season of Christmas. And honestly, the world is attracted by other things, but we can use this opportunity very well to proclaim the gospel and to present Jesus to people. This is what uh, last week, Pastor started with this mini-series that we will be having this month by showing and talking to us about the message of the steadfast hope that we as the believers, we have in Christ alone. And today, as we will see from the text in Isaiah as well, Pastor preached in chapter 9, we will go a little bit back to chapter 7. We will see that this message of Christmas also encompasses our, or the message of a steadfast trust. Not only steadfast hope, but also a steadfast trust. Steadfast trust in Yahweh our covenant-keeping God, the one who will fulfill all of his promises that he has made in his word. And that is the title of our message today, Steadfast Trust from Isaiah chapter 7. It's a long uh, chapter. We will just read the first nine verses, but as the message will go on, we will also touch in uh, the other verses. My hope this morning, and I'm trying to concentrate myself because I believe I'm loaded in the sense that uh, it's something that uh, it's really burning in my heart this morning. Uh, I'll try to speak as slow as possible as well. Because my prayer and my hope this morning is that the Holy Spirit will do what Pastor just prayed. For us as a believers, it is important that our faith will increase. And that we will be strengthened to witness passionately for our Lord Jesus Christ. And live a life that will reflect our passion for him. And our disposition to go till the end of the earth and being partners with him in sharing of the gospel. Our initial faith needs to increase, needs to grow. And this is what the passage of today will have to say to us. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will persuade us and convict those that have not yet put their trust in our Lord Jesus Christ to do that this morning. 
So as we go, be praying uh, that God's word will be making and always we believe that God's, wor God's word work in us faithfully. So will you stand as we read then Isaiah chapter 7 verses 1 to 9. That says the word of God. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotan, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount and attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sheri yes, yes, Yeshub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, be careful, be quiet, and do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim, the son of Remaliah, has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tibel as king in the midst of it. That says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Father, as I preach, you teach. As your word is proclaimed, strengthen us and save the lost, the lost this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. On Friday, while I was loading the car for our carols in the desert, as I went down, our neighbor in the floor uh, above us, was coming from the morning prayer with his child. His child was, is about four or five years old. He was wearing the kendura. And for sure they were coming, I presume, <laughs> from uh, the prayers on, on, on Friday. And when I was coming back from the car, I saw him now coming out, but alone without the child. But he was talking on the phone, calling her, his wife and saying, 
oh, the kid is in the elevator, the kid is in the elevator, just go there and uh, collect him from the elevator. And then I smile to him and say, you allow him to go alone? And he said, yeah, yeah, I did that. I wanted to test him if he was able to do that. And he did, actually. But the father was in control of what was happening there. He was guarding his son from any arm, but he was testing him. Testing him for what? Testing him for courage and to see the son growing, isn't it? If this father can do that, how much more our heavenly father? He is the perfect father that tests us in order for us to, to grow. And the Bible is really full of stories that shows what we are saying. You can remember Abraham. You can remember his life. And you can remember how God came to him and said to him, you will have a son. And all that Abraham needed to do is just to trust. In another words, have faith in what God was telling him. Trusting the Lord means to trust his word. In the wilderness, in the, the Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, Moses says to the people that the wilderness was a place that God used to humble them and to test them as well. But why? In order to find out what was in their heart. So God was training them, actually, in their faith. And also you can remember in the New Testament when Jesus took, before he calmed the storm, he said to his disciples, we will go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But in the midst, the storm, in the midst of that trip, the storm rose. And the disciples were shaken because they thought they would do what? They would die. So Jesus used a simple means, a simple day, a, 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 the mundane things of the day-to-day -day life to teach them a lesson on faith. While doing that uh, trip, Jesus was sleeping when the storm came. And the disciples went and shook the king and said, don't you mind that we die? Then Jesus calmed the storm, but made a question to them. Where is your faith? In another words, where is your trust? Without faith, without trust, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. You are allowed to talk back to me, church, yeah? <laughs> it's a conversation that we are having today. Without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. That's why our faith as someone says, is like a muscle. And we need to exercise that, otherwise it will grow what? Weak. 
And this is why the test of this morning is important in a season like this. In this season of Christmas, there is one thing that we need to be thinking about is the steadfast trust that we, might, we must have in Yahweh, our covenant-keeping God. This Christmas is also about trusting God. And let us see this together in the text that is in front of us as we unpack this narrative step by step. So an historical background is the same as Pastor said last week, but I'll just repeat with some add-ons that will be relevant for our story today or the narrative today. You see that in this moment where Isaiah is prophesying is the time of the divided kingdom. After Solomon, the king of the nation of Israel was divided into kingdom after the civil war among them. And in this division, there was the north kingdom that called Israel, or as we will see also, Ephraim, and the capital was Samaria. And in the south, we had Judah, which capital was Jerusalem. And King Ahaz was the king in the south, in the southern kingdom of Judah, in, in the context of our passage here. And in those days, as we heard last week, the Assyrian Empire was growing, and they want to conquer more and more land. And this is what kingdom and powerful uh, nations they do. They want to conquer more and more land. And the Assyrian wanted to do that, including the nation of the northern kingdom, Israel, and also Syria, and including Judah. As we will read in verse 1, and we saw that in verse 1 in our passage, Rezin, the king of Syria, and not Assyria, here in our passage, in other uh, versions of the Bible is called also Aram, the king of Aram. And Pekah, the king of Ephraim, or the king of the northern kingdom on those days called Israel, they decided to do a confeder confederacy, like an uh, uh, alliance, in order for them to resist against the invasion of the Assyrian Empire. And when they did that uh, alliance, they invited Judah to resist with them. But Judah said in the, in the verse, or King Ahaz, the king of Judah says, no, I don't want to be part of this alliance, all right? And we will see why uh, Judah did that. Uh, in uh, First Kings chapter 16, you can go home and read that. You will see that Ahaz did that because he has already committed himself with the Assyrian Empire. All right? But anyhow, in our passage, we see then that Ahaz said, 
to raising in Pekka? No, I don't want to be part of that. And what they, they said, what we will see is that Rezin and Pekka then decided to go and wage war against Judah. That's where we pick our passage this morning. And my first point is from verses 1 to 9, the test of trust. So we see then that when these kings came to wage war against Syria or against Judah, God has sent the prophet Isaiah to talk to King Ahaz. But let me first say one thing that the scholars calls this crisis, this war, this uh, alliance between Rezin and Pekah against Ahaz, the Syro Ephraimite crisis. It was a crisis uh, that Ahaz had to face. But as God sent Isaiah to Ahaz, he sent him to go with his son, Sher Yashub. Sher Yashub. And the word that God has sent to Ahaz in and through uh, the prophet Isaiah was what we read from verses 4 to verses 9. And we see here that the Lord wanted Ahaz to believe him. He says in verse 4, See, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart faint because of these two guys, Rezin and the son of Remaliah. Don't be afraid. I know the situation seems, and I'm paraphrasing, the situation seems complicated, but do not be afraid. Verse 7, he says, it shall not stand. What they are planning to do shall not what? Shall not stand. And it shall not come to pass. And then verses 8 and 9, in a poetic way, he says, I'm going to annihilate them. When he says Syria's, uh, the head of Syria is Damascus, the head of Damascus is Rezin, he's just putting in the poetic form, there is a king, there is the capital, and there is the kingdom. And if I destroy the king, all the nation will be destroyed. And God is saying that within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. This is the ten tribes of the north that we hear. They are lost from this account. I hope you have heard that uh, before, that there is ten tribes of Israel that they are lost. Why? Because God has said that they will be scattered and destroyed because of what they wanted to do against Ahaz. But at the end, the prophet says something to Ahaz. And let me just copy, Pastor. If you have your pen, just underline this in your Bible. And put yourself in the place of Ahaz 
and see God talking to you in the midst of your crisis. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Life is full of difficulties, isn't it? In a number like this, there are many things that we are unaware of that you are facing as a crisis and as a wilderness in your life. The message of the Christmas to you and to me this morning from the Lord is that we need to trust him in and through our wilderness, in and through our crisis. If you are not firm in faith, if you are not firm in trust, you will not be firm at all. But faith in what? Or trust in who? Trust in God and his word. And you cannot separate them. God doesn't give us anything else to trust him beside his word. He doesn't give us anything for us to hold to say this should be something that I need to believe. No. He just gives us his, his word. And today, the word of God is in this written form full of promises that we must trust him for. And as I said, I believe, I don't know everyone completely, but many of us, we are going through some crisis, some wilderness in this life. But remember, the wilderness is there not to destroy us as a believers, the wilderness is only a place of test. Promised land is ours. But before we get there, we, needed to be, we must be tested. And the wilderness is the place that God does that. That's why James would be able to say that don't see a strange thing when you go through diverse things in life, diverse troubles. Because that the test of your faith, that God is passing it through the fire in order to do what? To refine, in order to, for our trust, our faith, not to be contaminated. If you are not firm in faith, Ahaz, you will not be firm at all. Pedro, if you are not firm in, the tr in trusting the Lord, you are not firm at all. Brothers and sisters, in every crisis of your life, God has an, a specific word for your life. I know Pedro isn't in the Bible, but he's not this Pedro here. I would like to say, to see in the Bible, Pedro, that day you will do this, 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 complete, complete, complete detail how I can overcome the crisis that I'm living now, myself and our family. I would like to have that. 
But the wisdom of God makes this word that he gave us sufficient to give us and to provide us with wisdom and information that will help myself and our family to go through the crisis we are going through successfully. And the same for you. If you are not firm in trusting the Lord, you will not be firm at all. Do you know God's word? Do you know the promises that God has for you in his word? In Corinthians, the Bible says that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus, for us as a believer, it is yes and amen. Brothers and sisters, God wants us to have a steadfast trust in him. But for you to be able to have that steadfast trust, Brother Hughes, this morning he said that Romans says what? Faith comes by? Hearing. And hearing what? So your trust is depending on how much are you hearing from the, the Lord, from God's word. Do you know God's word? Last Wednesday, we had the elders meeting. And there is something that God has put in our pastor's heart, in our hearts together. For us to be exploring next year. Which will be really the passion that we must have of studying God's word in its, in its own context. To avail us with tools that will train us to know God's word in order for our faith to increase. In many aspects of our crisis... It is not only lack of trust that is a problem. It is lack of Bible. It is lack of the knowledge of God's word. And this is the message of the Christmas for us today. For us to have that steadfast trust that Ahaz needed to have, we must listen to God's, God's word. Do you know God's word? At least the information that is from Genesis to Revelation. Do you know that? Brothers and sisters, in the book of Hebrews 4, the Bible says that the Israelites, they could not enter the promised land, which was a place of peace, because... They were not able to mix the good news that they received with what? With faith, with trust. God's word must be united with our faith. That's why Robert this morning said that as a believers and unbelievers, we must always respond to God's word. We must. There is not a middle ground. When you say that you are not embracing God's word, 
you are answering that you are rejecting God's word. There is not a middle ground. Everyone we need, we must respond to God's word. When God's word comes to us, and then we mix that word with faith, embracing that, that is the place of rest and the place of trust that we must face the crisis in our lives. Brothers and sisters, God wants us to face the crisis of our lives from a place of rest and the place of trusting in him. The crisis you are facing, God wants you to face that crisis from a restful heart, a place of rest in your heart, and the place of trusting him. And how again? As you know his word, and as you pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you and give you wisdom how to navigate your crisis wisely from his word. No matter what, be it a situation in your marriage, be it a situation with your children, no matter if you are even looking for answers for unemployment, work situation, decisions to make, you just need to seek him faithfully in and through his, his word and through prayer. If you are not firm in faith, you, are, you will not be firm at all. For those that are here, this trust that we are saying here, it is impossible to you if you have not put your faith in Christ. It is impossible. That's why I invite you to acknowledge Christ as your king to whom all tongue and all knee will bow and confess that he is the king. When we are saying for you to trust the Lord, is we are saying that you need to acknowledge Lord Jesus Christ in your life and repent of your sin, mainly that you are the God of your life. You need to acknowledge that God himself has the authority and power to rule over your life and to tell you how you need to live your life. And as you do that, faith comes to you. And he gives you the chance for your eyes to be open and for you to see the beauty of his holiness as you come to him in true repentance and as you confess your sins unto him. Brothers and sisters, this is what we need to be thinking about in this Christmas. Steadfast trust. So, but Isaiah didn't stop there. He had more things to say to Ahaz the king. 
And this leads me to my second point from verses 10 to verse 25. So the Bible says there in verse 10, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be as let let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Verse 14, important one. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his, his name Emmanuel. Verse 15. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil. Sorry. When he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and to choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be desert, deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as, as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. So the prophet continues and say, Ahaz, please, if you want to be uh, again confident in the Lord, he gave you permission for you to ask for a sign. For what? For your faith to be established. I'm not here saying that you need to go out there and ask for many signs. But the context says very clearly that God gave permission to the prophet for Ahaz to ask for, for a sign. But see now what his answer was. Oh, no. Oh, why? Why? I, 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 will, I will not put the Lord in test. Seems very like full of piety, isn't it? Seems to be a good answer. But guess what? The information from 2 Kings chapter 16 confers to us that he had already did something behind the scenes. He went and made an alliance, a pact with the king of Assyria, the same king that was about to conquer Syria and the northern kingdom of Ephraim or Israel. But for sure, something uh, from God gave that instruction to Isaiah to know that Ahaz was not sincere in his answer in this. Brothers and sisters, many times we want to do more of our ways in our crisis rather than trust the Lord. And it is not a good thing. I'm telling you, it is not a good thing. With the authority of God's word today, it is not a good thing. Why? Ahaz was sponsoring his own crisis. In verse 17, you will see that God is saying that I will bring upon you and upon your people and upon Upon your father's house, days as have not come since the Ephraim 
departed from Judah. He's saying, king, this king that you have this covenant with, he will come and destroy you, destroy your house, and destroy your nation. But why? Because you choose to trust him more than trusting me. Brothers and sisters, we need to trust the Lord. This is what we need to be thinking in this Christmas. God is in control and it, he is able to destroy our enemies. But for that to happen, we need to trust him. God is able. And let me say, he is willing to destroy our enemies. And before you think about your colleague or your boss or something else, let me say that your enemy is this world system, is Satan himself, and it's you. You are your own enemy because your flesh is your enemy. And God wants to destroy your flesh. But for that to happen, you need to trust even the tools, the weapons of our warfare that he has given us in order to destroy even our own flesh. You are your own enemy. You have a transformed heart. But your flesh is pulling you away from doing God's will. My flesh is, instead of fasting, Brother Pedro likes to eat. <laughs> If instead of seeking God, because your heart is really prompting you to seek him with fasting, with prayers. No, he wants to go to Konzon. Or Karam al-Sham. <laughs> Why not Shangri-La? <laughs> you know, it's funny, but it is true. Our flesh is pulling us away from doing God's word. And God wants to destroy your flesh in order for your soul to be saved. But to do that, we need to trust him. Ahaz didn't do that. But God himself said, okay, nevertheless, I'm going to give you a sign. In verse 4, the Bible says that the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. There is a lot of ink from scholars to discuss about this virgin word here that we have. In the original, in Hebrew, this word is Alma, which many will say that restrict or the meaning of this word is restricted to a young woman of a marriage, a marriageable age. J.K. Bill and D.A. Carson in their, in their commentary of the use of the Old Testament in the New Testament they helped us understand what is going on in here. We are quick sometimes to think of this passage of, of this word that God has given directly implied in our Lord Jesus Christ, which is correct for us to do that. But let me suggest to you that according to the principles of us understanding God's word, 
we need to see it in the context that he's saying as well. And this is one of the rules that we will learn next year. For us to interpret the Bible, we need to do that in context, out of context, and in context. Context is key for us to understand what God's word is trying to communicate to us. We don't have time to go in details, but let me suggest to you that there is two levels of fulfillment of this word. The first is immediately in the time of Ahaz, and then in the time of the gospel of the New Testament with Apostle Matthew. Why do I say that? Just go quickly, open your Bible, and see that with me. I just want to Have a look in verse, in chapter 8, verse 3, and compare the words that Isaiah said in chapter 7, 14, with what he is saying there in chapter 3, verses um, 3. You will see, er, chapter 8, verse 3, you will see a repetition of some words like conceive and bore a son according to the promise that God is saying in verse 14. Meaning that the immediate fulfillment of this promise is that a young woman of a marriageable age is really the wife of the prophet Isaiah. And he does that because he wanted to make sure that to Ahaz that the destruction of Syria, of Ephraim, and now of Judah except Jerusalem would happen. Go quickly now to verse 18 in chapter 8. Verse 18 in chapter 8. That's the prophet saying, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are what? Signs and portraits in Israel from who? From the Lord of hosts who dwells on the Mount Zion. So I'm suggesting to you that the immediate fulfillment of this word is honestly which is the son of Isaiah, long name. But God did that in, uh, intentionally, saying that the spoils, uh, this word, means quick to plunder and swift to the spoil, saying that this is what will happen with Syria and Ephraim. But of course, we cannot limit the fulfillment of this word right there. We have another information from Matthew. If you can just turn there quickly, we are about to finish. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Let's read from verses 18 to verse 23. 
verse 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22 all this took place to do what? To fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Whose prophet? Isaiah, where we are reading. What is the prophecy? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is the fulfillment of this word. The same sign that God gave to Ahaz for him to trust him. Brothers and sisters, this is the same sign that God is giving us in this Christmas. Jesus Christ is the son, or is the sign that God has given you and me for us to put our trust in him. Will you believe him? The Bible says, if God has given Jesus Christ to us, Romans 8, what else shall he, shall he will not do for us? God is calling us in this Christmas. For Ahaz, it was the, that Syro-Ephraimite crisis. For you and me, is several crises. But he is calling us for us to put our steadfast trust in him. Will you trust him with all your heart? Brothers and sisters, our God is a trustworthy father. Christmas is about the sign that he has given us, the incarnate child of God, the only begotten son of God, became flesh. And as we heard last week, and this is mind-blowing, the embryo Lord Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary ruling and governing all the world? Oh, have you heard about Mary, the song, yeah? And he didn't stop there. As we read in our scripture reading, he went to the cross for you and me, proving that he loves you and that you can trust him even with your life. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And he wants us not to be afraid of death. Why? 
He has resurrected to prove that we can trust him. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, one day will resurrect our bodies. He gives life to our mortal bodies. Even death cannot stand against our Lord. Will you trust him? Allow the Holy Spirit to put this in your heart. And may we trust him with all our hearts and all our minds, no matter the crisis that you are going through. This is what we need to be thinking about in this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we ask in your mercy and in your grace that you will teach us to trust in you. Open up the eyes of our understanding for us to behold your beauty and to know your love for us, Lord. For us to be able to shine away sin and for us to trust in you. For us not to rely on our own understanding in the way we live our lives, but for us to trust in you. And for those that they don't know you, we plead for their lives, Lord, that you, through and in your mercy and grace, will allow them to put their trust in you. Lord, cause us as a church to grow in our trust in you, Lord. I pray for my brother, for my sister in the crisis that they are facing, that, Lord, you will guide them. You will give them direction, wisdom, as they seek you in and through your word, in and through fasting and prayer, that you will lead them, Lord, to do their, your will in their lives. Thank you because you are trustworthy. You gave your life for us and we can trust you with our lives knowing that one day we will see you face to face and all this faith that we are preaching will become sight and we will realize just as a baby comes from the womb of the mother and realize a new life we will experience the same thing for eternity. Thank you, Lord. Help us in our unbelief. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.